I'm Alan Libsey, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals all about issues, interests, and insight in today's profession. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Sarah Maynard, the Global Head of External Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at CFA Institute here in London. She and her working group at the Institute have recently released a code, really a set of principles, to guide practitioners on improving diversity and inclusion in their workplaces. So Sarah, welcome. I'm glad you could join us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So could we start with some basics? Uh, Tell me about the aim of setting up this code. What's it about and how it should encourage better practice in the investment industry going forward? Thank you. Um, So the code's really the result of um, senior leaders in the industry actually asking us to do this work, uh, essentially to to sort of set up some precedents uh, or explore precedents set up by our existing codes and standards, but really specifically to push on diversity, equity and inclusion, because really they see that as, as we do indeed, as a systemic issue for the industry. Uh, So really needing a systemic structured approach. So that's really what we did. We based the practice uh, that we recommend on essentially what our extensive research with the industry shows works. Um, and we've created guidance, um, which we're going to keep updating to keep it current, but also keep it aspirational. Okay, so there's a lot of work here. And, um, and tell me, tell us, how long have you been working on this code? How long has your team or group been working on this code? Well, we actually set it up um, more than two years ago. Uh, and basically, we had a group that met fortnightly for an hour and with sort of in-between meetings as well. So huge amounts of, of work consideration. And, uh, and we probably cut out almost uh, twice as much as we actually left in. So, you know, there's a big pile on the cutting room floor in this case, uh, really because we wanted to make sure it was focused, um, but then we also wanted to get into the detail where we could. Uh, And we also had a um, diversity, equity and inclusion steering committee who were doing, essentially providing the oversight, the governance for this group to kind of keep us on task. So, yeah, Quite a lot of moving parts and, okay, and a big so investment that, of time. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Sorry to interrupt. The so there's you, you've had a lot going on. Um, it took a lot to do this. So, so let's talk a little bit about the structure here because there there are six principles. Now, look, we can't do justice to all of them and all of the work that went into each one. But perhaps maybe you could highlight one or two of the most important that you that you worked on. Sure. I guess the sort of one which is perhaps the most collaborative and this industry really hasn't always had a great record collaborating, very competitive industry, but collaboration can be very powerful in this space. So the first one, Pipeline, really asks signatories to work together to expand the pipeline of talent coming into the industry. So essentially makes, you know, those starting out in college, even in school, aware of the economic opportunities as early as possible. But it also focuses on individuals, particularly those from underrepresented communities, um, you know, both protected groups and otherwise, um, who may be already in the industry, but have just been overlooked by firms. So it's the folks who are in plain sight, but aren't getting, getting the promotion and retention prospects that they should have. And so essentially, becoming a signatory really says to that group that this firm is really looking to, to create opportunities for these folks. Yeah, which is a really, really important because 
just getting them in isn't enough, is it? So, um, so apart from the obvious ethical benefits here, have you noted any evidence that uh, that these DEI codes or any DEI codes can really make a difference to investment-related firms in, in terms of retaining top people? Yes, I think I think they have because where we see firms taking on this work, they do actually get better promotion stats. And since we know from our own research, this is something where the industry is historically not been great. Um, you know, there's been a huge effort bringing people in, but as you say, not actually hanging on to them, encouraging them to stay and progress. So yes, we definitely see evidence that there's diverse teams, you know, across a multiple spectrum of diversity, really do deliver better results. Um, and, you know, essentially, why wouldn't you put your strongest leaders, you know, your, your most incisive minds to work on solving the complex challenges that indeed are investment? And the other piece is when you see that kind of thinking percolate from leadership down, you can really see inclusion benefiting, uh, growing and, and benefiting the whole organization. Um, and this is obviously much more complex than cognitive diversity, as it's often described, because, you know, we're all human animals. We're not just brains on sticks. And, you know, all of our experience, all of our social selves, our community experiences, everything else really come into bear um, in, in just capturing the benefits of, of doing this work. Mm. Now, we should say that you've taken a regional approach here because this code that's just been released is just targeted at the USA and Canada. So I'm just curious why this approach, why this um, doing it in sort of chunks and geographic chunks? Yeah, and it was certainly a difference from our other codes and standards, which, you know, as you know, tend to be global. Um, and the point really was the recognition that essentially from region to region, you do see quite significant cultural differences. Of course, you see difference in, in demographics as well. So we wanted to make sure that we were offering a solution that really met the industry in the region where it is, where the need actually is. Um, and of course, also, as I started with the demand point, so essentially we were hearing from both US and Canadian firms. And consider that we started this work before COVID and before the, the murder of George Floyd. So this was already an established priority. However, since then, it's really had a lot more momentum. So a lot of this was a mixture of balancing need and demand. However, I will also say that you know, since we, we started this work and, and have gone public with it, you know, we're seeing rising demand from other regions as well. So you know, with 160 societies you know, globally and, and a network of uh, 7,000 volunteers, we've got an amazing resource available. And of course, we've also got the infrastructure around our existing codes and standards, which means it's a lot more than just an initiative, that it's got you know, a, a real support network behind it. Uh, and we're used to holding signatories to account, which is a critical piece for the wider societal accountability. So presumably, and maybe, I, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but presumably you've done a lot of that sort of heavy lifting to, for the other codes. I mean, there'll be uh, geographical um, differences and political differences, but how soon do you expect the others to, uh, codes to be released in the different regions? On, in a, on a phased basis over the next sort of um, year to two years. So um, essentially what we'll do is 
the, the principles are pretty universal. There's a minor tweak or two there, but fundamentally the work will be within the implementation guidance. Uh, and that's where we get into the detail, but also that's the opportunity to build regional ownership. So if we're working with societies and stakeholders, region by region, then we can create that adaptation that also means that the folks on the ground feel that this is something fully relevant and, and, and owned by them. Great. Okay, well, it sounds like your team has done a lot of work and some really great work. So thanks very much, Sarah, for uh, giving us some insight into the, the new DEI code. And, uh, you know, I guess we can say we await the UK version. Um, and thank you all very much for listening. Look out for our next podcast details in the regular CFA UK newsletter or subscribe to CFA UK's SoundCloud channel. You can find out more at www.cfauk.org backslash podcast. Again, Sarah, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.